0: I've uh, just brought my tissues with, <laughs> I, th- I hope I am done crying for the day, so yeah, there's lots of people here, <laughs> <laughs> and online, um, yeah, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Inga, I'm actually Afrikaans, so my R's and my Z's might swap during all of this, um, we'll just blame it on that. So yeah, my husband is Greg, um, there he is. <laughs> he's been treading it um, on the guitar for the worship team tonight and throughout the day. And um, yeah, he's my best friend. His biggest flaws are as he works too hard and he is too nice. And very honestly, I have no idea what he does for a living. I think he works with robots and he's a computer whisperer. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, he's an IT. <laughs> So yeah, I'm very nervous, but more than that, I'm so excited. Um, lots of things have been happening in this week, and we just knew great things are happening in this church through God, especially when there's lots of things happening that's not supposed to happen. So yeah, I'm grateful to be here and to have this opportunity, and especially to know that my mom is here. Now I'm already going to cry. After everything that I've put her through, she's been my biggest cheerleader, and I still wonder why. And Storm, we call him, I just have to say, we call him Radical Storm. Um, It's inspiring to watch him, not just listen to him. But um, I've heard a rumor that he even um, spreads the gospel to the pastors of the church. (laughs) So yeah, he literally preaches Jesus wherever he goes. So yeah, tonight I just want to take you to a place where we can encapsulate our experiences, senses and emotions into worshiping God's goodness. I should add, I'm not a simple speaker, because I think in pictures, so I always uh, talk about a waterfall thing. Everyone describes waterfall differently. My husband will say it's big, beautiful, and wet, (laughs) where I feel a picture speaks a thousand words, Um, so yeah, I need a whole essay, so I'm going to try and stick to my script. (laughs) I'm hoping you can see through my message, though, um, how God is the ultimate artist, He takes our ugly stories and he makes it into a masterpiece and he puts his signature all over it. You see, the first time I entered this church was less than four years ago. Five years ago, I was not a believer. I did not believe in Jesus. I was the enemy of God. I grew up in Krugersdorp, and I did the Sunday school and church thing like most kids do. I just didn't realize along the way that the God that I created in my mind was not really who God is. That Jesus wasn't after holier than thou people. But the underdogs and the imperfect the needy and the shattered I was the girl in school who was everybody's friendly friend yet I felt detached and alone and secretly struggled with emotional pain yet I hid it behind a smile all the time in the span of one year after leaving school I was in three car accidents two of those cars were written off And to this day, I cannot tell you what happened because of blacked out memories as I was utterly intoxicated. And this was just the start of my 12 years of addiction. See, addiction does not discriminate. It does not care about your race or your age. It devours its victims over and over again. By 23 years old, I tried to commit suicide and I woke up in a hospital where I felt angry for being saved. I desperately didn't want to live I didn't know how to manage or deal with the depression that I felt and I kept everything inside so scared of being judged I was angry with the fact that I didn't choose to be born and I couldn't understand why such a powerful God could not make me disappear I remember a time when I begged God to just take me away in my sleep and I sincerely hope not to wake up the next morning I started using harder drugs soon after. I smoked weed for nine, ten years every single day. I used cat and coke to keep going, abused alcohol and psychedelics, just to name a few things, and I ended up speaking weeks of my life, so, um, spending weeks of my life in psychosis. My entire worldview was distorted. I was destructive towards myself and my behavior and towards others and I treated those closest to me like enemies, just to find a pit of depression deeper and more alone and entering the same cycle over again. See, once you are in addiction, it's not a choice or a moral failure or a lack of will anymore. This is just how society depicts it. What it is is it's a response to suffering. Sexual abuse, neglect, and trauma, and abandonment, these are common denominators for all addicts and I experienced all of them. Hence addiction is a desperate attempt to escape suffering temporarily. It therefore requires healing and not judgment. And a lot of addicts get treated like failures and rejects and less than human. And then we wonder as a society why things aren't getting better. See, we address things from the wrong perspective as humans. And that is why our success rates in society is so poor but God's success rate is guaranteed. Addiction was a poisonous fruit in my life, but the root of the problem was that I had a lot of emotional pain that I didn't know what to do with. So really, addiction was an attempt to solve my problem, and using substances for relief was a very bad choice. And this is the case for all addicts. I found myself to be an object to satisfy men a walking apology in a series of toxic relationships that just inclined in toxicity and a vessel of regret the consequences of substance abuse and suppressed emotions are severely damaging mental illness and suicidal tendencies followed me for years it is not that i didn't care about being good i, I cared all the time but i was trapped i was stuck I feared that if I was to expose myself and ask for help, I was going to experience the ultimate rejection. And so I kept the pain inside, and did the same thing over and over again. And there was nothing at this point my parents or anyone could do to save me from myself. Besides, I was a master by hiding the addiction and the pain by now, as I learned along the way. The last seven years of my toxicity is too much to express for tonight, but it unraveled and shook me to my core. It shook me to a make and break moment. And to keep this short, at that moment, I was forced to choose between life and death. I went to see someone who I observed as someone who really knew and really loved this God that everyone was talking about, and who I didn't think would invest any time in me. I couldn't keep myself together anymore. So I decided to tell her everything, and if the outcome isn't good for me, well, then I can always end it all and not face the humiliation. The thing is, as I started to bear open my rotten heart, it just kept coming out. I could barely look her in the eyes from all the deep shame that I was experiencing. And to my surprise, when I looked up, she was crying with me, and I was sure that it was Jesus that was crying with me through her. I gave my heart to Jesus right then and then. And I can't remember if it was hours or days or weeks, but I soaked in a new newness and something that I now know is the experience of grace. I was undone by his presence. I received a heart of flesh, but I couldn't stop returning to drugs. I was helpless in my desire for instant gratification. See, rock bottom is a choice. It is not a place, as most people think. It is when you decide that enough is enough. I'm powerless over my situation, and I'm desperate for God to step into my situation. Charles Spurgeon says, when you feel yourself to be utterly unworthy, you have hit the truth soon after i asked for help i went to rehab for seven months this was the hardest hardest season of my life and god ripped out the carpet from underneath my feet and exposed everything that i shoved in underneath there and i had to confront it all but the thing is it was there the whole time you see i weighed a mere 47 kilograms when i went in and i battled through withdrawals at the beginning but with my dusty bible my toothbrush and in desperateness to find a purpose and reason to keep living and going, I trusted Jesus for the first time in the process of transforming me. And it took a lot of intentional hard work from my part to change the perceptions and forgive the people who have long left and forgotten me. My life has not been internally easy before I gave myself over to Christ. I did experience it as torture. And as God, God's word rings true for the consequences of wickedness, an unresolved sin I'm not standing here because I surrendered I'm standing here because of his faithfulness my psalm of hope I chose is Psalm 8 and my title is knowing and experiencing God's goodness in this Psalm David is intertwining two contrasting themes that that which is insignificant or seems insignificant with that which is significant Now, David was fully aware that life is difficult and contains overwhelming evils and suffering. Yet, he was uncorrupted in his worship of God. Let's read Psalm 8 together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger, All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now we might think that David was fortunate to discover God's goodness and beauty so easily in the starry night. We often forget through the Psalms that in David's context, he was faced with the monstrous Goliath surrounded by wars and oppression, and his own brothers barely favored him. David, like all of us, chose to interact with the things he did. I wanna first explain to you the whole structure of this psalm, so I can show you how my focus verse brings me hope in understanding the entire picture. So, basically, in theology, we call it a triastic structure, um, but don't worry too much about the theological term. Think of it as a sandwich, okay? You have to eat the entire verse (laughs) so you've got like your outer sides and there's stuff in the middle that's really good but you have to eat the entire thing and the outer verses are the same and the middle is packed with goodness so just keep that idea in your head as I go through it so verse 1 and 9 which is the beginning and the last verse it begins and ends with David proclaiming God's name magnified through all the earth This is the one God who in Genesis 2 forms man out of his own creation and then personally speaks and walks with man in his creation in Genesis 3. He intimately reigns over his creation, devoted and involved with what he spoke into existence. The God who makes himself known throughout the world. See, we can all engage with the Spirit of God at any time. He is never going to withdraw from you and he's never not gonna be there for you. But it is the way that you think which determines if you are going to be open to letting him help you. Verse two to three points to Jesus and the work that he accomplished for us. God reigns over evil by the perfect praises of weak infants that brings him glory. This shows the extension of God's goodness he sustains and preserves his glory through the weakest of man who are crying out in need and dependent on others. Even those who say there is no God are silenced by this. These helpless and needy children even become the gospel preachers that strikes down the devil's wall through God's strength. Look at the work of salvation. This is our most profound example. Jesus, who was born out of Mary's womb, weak and dependent he grew up to become the conqueror of death itself it is this same gospel that silences the devil's schemes today now before we get to the middle part verse six and eight i would refer to this as the patty some of us don't eat it at all and um, some of us really too hard to get through this part but as seen in genesis 127 man was made in the image of god we were made to be lower than angels for a little while in our perishing bodies. But at the resurrection of his children, we will be made peers of angels. In the same breath, we are chosen to embody his glory. Sorry. So, this is our inheritance we can now have through Jesus who fulfilled what we failed to do. He tasted death for all of us. There is nothing left. That is not subject to Him. We should regard ourselves in light of the purposes we were created for, which is to glorify God. You see, Jesus exemplifies His kingship through His journey in the flesh, purposed for us to follow Him and also to know what that means. We are ordained to be co rulers with Christ in His creation, and this has always been our original purpose. My focused verse in between all of this said lies complete admiration this is the source of the sandwich that for lack of better words it's like sweet chili it's bittersweet david is saying when i see your heavens the activity of your perfect and unchanging product a set creation that abides to god's laws and always permanently glorifies him who are we mere humans that you would care about us. And then we find, like David, in the intensity and magnitude of the universe, how small and irrelevant we are. David places emphasis emphasis on our mortality and, I'm sure, our sinful ways as he speaks about our kind. In Job 7.17, it testifies, what is man that you make so much of him and that you set your heart on him? This means acknowledging all of our actions and situations, the macro and the micro. This is, the mindfulness, this is mindfulness to the point where God even visits us as a conversing friend in concern for us, not just clothing and protecting and feeding us like other creatures. See, God is not afraid of our traumas. He is the epiphany of love. But what is man? That he should be honored and respected by God. In David's lack of words of admiration, he is stunned to rhetoric questioning. And this is how I felt when I was embraced by Jesus while a broken and unclean spirit in desperate need for rescue from myself and the lies I bought into. David's response is not in pity of our frailness or nothingness against the vast heavens but rather in grateful and astonished adoration of God's extending love. Man is special in God's eyes, and he seeks relationship with us. He chases our hearts. Think about it. God even made the heavenly bodies to inspire us to worship. When we observe Jesus, we are guided and inspired to perceive his glory in the economy of grace rather than that of the world. We may see two modes of this position in man playing out today. One where we are operating with God, and one where we see humanity distorting and corrupting our gifted rule. At the end of the day, we all choose where we serve. And as Christians, we already know the established outcome. Passivity can also cho- has also chosen aside, as God has created us with the ability to move beyond the enslaved existence for his purposes and for his glory. Suffering does not have to have the final word in your life. We can pass our sweet chili onto others to extend love and to others who are also suffering and we would be better for it. However, this type of transformation, the type of transformation that extends love to others does not happen passively it requires us to go through a process of working with God and not against him. As this psalm is enclosed with awe of God's majesty, so are we. And as we fall short of this glory because of our sinful nature, Christ worked out our redemption by taking up the rule, both in his humiliation, when he was made a little lower than angels, and in his exaltation, when he was crowned with glory and honor. As nature proves God, Regardless of some men choosing not to observe this, we proclaim proclaim Christ through our transformed lives, which is only made possible through trusting faith in him. Like the galaxies in the sky, we are set right, set in place, exactly where we belong, by glorifying Jesus through our confessions, our submittance, and our humility. The weight of our sins will crush us with shame. But the name of Jesus, we get to t- But in the name of Jesus, we get to tell it when enough is enough. I stand in awe when I soak in the fact and the evidence of God's goodness. I only started living when I lost everything. How amazing is it to think that I cannot escape God? He won't let me go. He won't leave me alone, even if I ask him to it is evident to me that being in a place of absolute brokenness and need is the best place I could be. It is there where I met the true Jesus, the one that many tried to prepare me for, but no one could prepare me like he did. I always thought that following our Lord will cost me but believing. But with great gratitude, I learned that in order to believe in him, it will cost me everything. And now that he holds me, I can see that what I refer to as everything means nothing at all without him. Only he gives life an everlasting meaning. Less than five years ago, I remind you, I had an appointment with death. In this process, I realized that physical death is not my problem or what I feared, but that spiritual death and illness was the torture I submitted my life to. Suicide seemed like a way out. From that, and hard drugs and alcohol addiction was my denial for a decade. My passivity and being a willing victim was my pride. And all I was really doing was painting masks to suit my situation. You see, my true fear was never the darkness. I knew the darkness very well. And after all, I danced with it. I sat in its cage um, comfortably, even though the doors already were wide open. My, my true fear was the light, and so the reality of the state of my heart. One of the many problems with my truth, as the world calls it, was my will and my choices. A will and choices that took no responsibility. And I could not escape the truth from any, or take the truth from anyone. I was blinded in the effects my addictions had on others especially those close to me, and the pain I cause in my ignorance. It is strange how things fall into place when you allow God to tell you his story of your life through his eyes. And then the part that just wrecks me onto my knees is that he never loved me more or less. His love has always been complete. I was broken, brittle, and bruised Yet I knew if I was to claim that I have surrendered my heart to the king of kings, I had to learn how to warfare in the true battle he sets before me, which is sin. And not the one I created in my mind. I knew very little about the depths of God's word and how to talk to him so rawly. It was to my relief to find that this Jesus that chased me down was also the relatable God that heals all wounds no matter how old. He loved me as he found me. He took me in as sinful as I was. We cannot change ourselves without being in relationship with him. We can only exchange one poisonous fruit for another. I surrendered to God with the willingness to be wrong about everything. And I just want to say here as well, 90% surrender is not the definition of surrender. Surrender means to give it all. All I was expecting was some clarification on my existence and to hopefully stay sober for a while, at least. And I guess even punishment. In some way, I thought that would make me feel better. I could not fathom the truth about grace. And I think a lot of us can't. We don't know grace by just saying, Jesus, Jesus. We experience it by following him And therefore, we get to understand it. Today, I am 1,686 days sober by God's grace alone. I did this one day at a time with Jesus. I never expected my mess to become a a means to magnify our almighty God. There are no plasters on my wounds. My wounds have been healed by his wounds. I have new struggles and lessons to learn, but I'm not stuck. God has promised us all that he will finish what he started. And I had it wrong all the time. The problems we create in the battlefield of our minds are deeply rooted in our inability to receive because we think he loves like us. His love rattles my bones to life. I pray that I don't make a move without the strength of his hand. I do not survive as a spectator anymore, but I wrestle with God in the arena where I get a step on scorpions and snakes because of the authority I found in his name. It is not about escaping anymore, but rather the love that it's Christ, hidden in plain sight. As I ask Sebs and Jeff to come up and join me here, I just want to remind you all, after all of this, that Jesus came to set the captives free, not the free free. And we are all captives. Until we come to Jesus, our Savior, and find peace in the words written on the cross and written on his heart, it is finished. Jesus does not give his heart in pieces. He will never be closer than he is right now, knocking and waiting for us to let him in wherever we haven't yet. This is the utmost high. This is the creator of the cosmos. He is the only tangible love in me. I want us to just take a moment in all this deepness and soak in the reckless and relentless love of God. The gospel is fearless. It proclaims the truth whether we like it or not. But it comes from a place of mercy, not of judgment. The reality of God's power is seen through many lives today that have been transformed. And all of those people have chosen a day where enough is enough. He is ready for you. No matter what condition you are in, or how big your failures, or how big your mess is. The question is really if you are ready to receive what he has for you. If you will allow him to help you transform the things that you are still stuck in. Will you let him paint over your picture with his blood? I'm gonna ask you all to just sit and think about the things that might be on your heart and that and allow God to also put things on your heart if there is nothing specific or even if you think about someone else that you know is going through similar things and just listen to these words that Jeff is about to sing over us even if you have to close your eyes soak it in soak in the offer that is in the words of this song thank you
1: so, so kind to me. I was your fault, still your love for for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no way, you paid it all for me. Yeah, you have been so so kind. I don't deserve it, still, you give yourself away. It's only overwhelming, never ending, reckless love, of God. Yeah. It's reckless love, oh God. Shadow, mountain, yeah. There's, no wall, lie, yeah. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me, hey. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you all not tear and coming after me, hey. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't after me, it's yes, all oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. It's yes, all oh, it chases me now. If I still have leaves, the 99, and I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve I